TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's my show. Hey, put a little... I never get this line out the first time. It's not even good. Hey, put a little, put a little bit more in there, cowboy. And the bulldog. What's your degree in? Kicking ass and taking names. <laughs> On WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome back. Glad to have you. We're in different seats today. I'm home. Bulldog is at the uh, station. You are right. You are at the yes, I radio station today. Uh, yes, I am. Yes, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm just got an interesting, if not disturbing, <laughs> update downstairs. My wife is leaving shortly to go to our daughter's basketball game. My son is here, and she informed me that he will be cooking Ooh. while she leaves, and I sit up here talking to you. Okay. So that's a first. What is that's a first? Uh, what I is think on? it's just something... I, I think it's something store-bought that sits in our freezer. I don't think there's anything more to this than putting it in the oven and monitoring it mm-hmm. and, you know, watching, making sure there's no smoke or anything bad happening. So he's not as so uh, much... But I'm still co- not taking anything for granted. So he's not so much cooking as he's warming something up. Yes, but not in the microwave. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Right. But he's so not. He doesn't have an ingredient. Still, still on an early level. There's no imme- uh, no immediate danger of uh, an ingredient list and a mixing bowl and uh, other utensils. It's mostly just pops up in the oven. Right. That is cooking. You're cooking it. But right. Yeah. It's not preparing as much. We'll as call this cooking on a second grade level. How about that? It's not. <laughs> it's not the microwave. It's not. You know, mixing uh, iced tea mix with water. It's a little bit more. But I should. Just, I was put on notice that the oven will be on while I'm upstairs talking to you. Yeah, we'll so keep an just, eye on uh, that. Everybody knows. <laughs> yes. Joining us now on the West Her Hotline is Chris Trapasso, NFL draft analyst for CBS Sports. We don't want to rush things, Chris, and we won't, because we'll get into Bill Steelers here with you. But I'm sure, I think, if we need if we need you on the 2024 NFL draft, you're you know at least mostly ready to go? Uh, I'm a little behind of where I normally am. Like, CBS had me do more general NFL writing this season, which I've loved, and certainly being in the western New York area with the Bills securing the two-seed, it's been a little bit more fun um, being able to write about the Bills. I have an article coming out tomorrow, or actually Saturday, on the Bills. Um, but So, yes, so by the time you guys are reaching out March, April, um, maybe even a little earlier than that, around the Combine, I'll be probably ridiculously deep into this 2024 draft class. 
Well, so okay, what, what, well, we won't go too hard then on Keon Coleman. <laughs> right, today. right, right. Okay, yeah, I was talking you up. I, I said you'd be ready to talk about the 2024 class right after the 2023 draft, or maybe even before it was over. So uh, I didn't mean to put you in a bad spot on on that front, Chris. Um, well, so covering the team that way this year, then writing about the team this year as you have been. Um, I don't know, what's the ride been like from your perspective that they ended up where they ended up here in, I think, as good a spot as they've been in any one of these four years where they've been a Super Bowl contender? Yeah, that's a really good question and a good point. To me, the biggest takeaway that trying to look outside the box, um, I mean, obviously the the roller coaster start and the the lull in the middle and getting hot down the stretch um, was the way that when all the injuries hit – from the Dolphins game in week four to the Jaguars game the following week with Aquan Jones, Matt Milano, my biggest takeaway was how well a lot of those Tyrell Dodsons um, have ultimately played, guys that were thrust into the lineup that at first were liabilities, and it seemed like, man, maybe this is just the year where the Bills are too snake-bitten by those injuries. Tim Settle, Puna Ford playing down the stretch late. It seems like, though, like a lot of the depth pieces that – uh, the Bills maybe weren't going to want to rely on as much as they did, have really kind of settled into their groove and together are playing as a cohesive unit. So to me, like that was the biggest takeaway that I had, that we reached that point after the Broncos game where it's like maybe the depth is just not very good to then suddenly, hey, maybe Tyrell Dotson's actually a very good run defender and maybe the rotational depth behind Daquan Jones is actually pretty good. And we saw – in Week 18 against the Dolphins, Russell Douglas goes down. Dane Jackson steps up. Yeah, he had a pass interference, but he also had a pass breakup and three tackles. I think that was a testament to Sean McDermott's scheme, the offensive scheme, and then just the job that Brandon Bean did in the offseason, filling in the Leonard Floyds, the Taylor Rapps, um, and you know Tyrell Dotson's other players that I've already mentioned. That was really a fascinating development. Um, in the regular season for the Bills to me. Yeah, rap to me for most of the season, Chris, I, I was fearful. I felt like he was just like a, a, a targeting a defenseless receiver penalty waiting to happen <laughs> when he was on the field. And not that that can't be effective for you, but still, right? Um, and there he is making big plays down the stretch in the Miami game and obviously the game-sealing interception. And that's been a cool little wrinkle, like him playing, especially now with Hyde back healthy and Poyer having a little more positional flexibility to come up and be more in the box at times. Yeah, it seemed like beyond just the players getting acclimated to being in more full-time-ish roles, it seemed like it took a couple games for Sean McDermott to understand, okay, maybe I can't use Tyrell Dotson like I do Matt Milano. I mean, that's just not going to be the case with, with the coverage ability, the athleticism, the fluidity. Same deal with Taylor Rapp, who was kind of down the stretch, a third safety who was on the field a fair amount. And like you mentioned, being able to use Jordan Poyer as more of a linebacker and a blitzer off the edge, Micah Hyde even at times blitzing, Um, and then acclimating Rasul Douglas into the defense after the trade deadline. I think it just took a few games, maybe almost a month, for Sean McDermott also defensively to understand what these new pieces, what they could do, what their limitations were. Um, And obviously down the stretch, the offense clicked in that Dolphins game outside of the turnovers in the red zone, but the defense against the Cowboys, against the Chiefs, and against the Dolphins, um, I thought was very, very good and as important as the offense um, in the Bills' current five-game winning streak. With Chris Trapasso, you mentioned earlier all the um, 
the ways that you think the Bills deserve credit for what this has been, the players' performance, but also scouting and Brandon Bean's role in it and Sean McDermott with his scheme. Also, I would add, I, I'm sure you'd agree, I mean, McDermott is a teacher here yeah. with these guys because it gives, it gives Bills fans, I think, or at least me, the confidence that most of these injuries I've, – I've learned this this year, by the way, after sort of not taking defense to be – that important relative to offense in in the past, but just how it gives you the confidence almost that anybody can go in and get the job done, whether that's Dodson or Bernard before Dodson and then Bale Inspector, except for Kyer Elam, I guess. I don't know. Uh, they're, ironically, like the, a first-round pick is somebody that, nope, we can't have this. But um, really, I mean, is it how big of a story is it that the Bills' defense has held up uh, for – on top of what you maybe have said already, given how many losses they've had in terms of injuries. Yeah, I think it's huge. And more to your point, uh, how about the development and the teaching that you're mentioning about Sean McDermott with Christian Benford? I mean, he leads the team in pass breakups, sixth-rounder from Villanova. I I was one when he was coming out. I I loved his ball skills, didn't think he was a great athlete, and was, I don't want to say on the bandwagon because there wasn't – much of one there, but believe that he would probably move to safety and could be a good safety as the Bills were maybe looking ahead given the ages of Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. And he's become one of the better playmaking young outside cornerbacks in the NFL. So I think that's a huge story. We had three or four years where the Bills were rolling the dice on these Gregory Rousseau and Tremaine Edmonds and Josh Allen, these big freaky specimens early in the draft. This year you get the undrafted guys like Tyrell Dotson, the six-rounders like Christian Benford, Taylor Rapp, who signed a very cheap deal in free agency. Even Cam Lewis coming in with a couple pass breakups late in garbage time in that Cowboys game. I think the scheme certainly helps, but absolutely to your point, Sean McDermott over the last six years has proven that he is a very good teacher and his assistant coaches, especially on the defensive side, certainly seen some development with the offense with Khalil Shakir and Dalton Kincaid um, as well. But it's definitely a place where they can draft these players and they actually seem to get better, which is, I think, actually pretty rare in today's NFL. It says a lot, I think, about how good Terrell Bernard has been all year, that mm-hmm. you, you sort of run through this list. I'm not accusing you of omitting him on purpose or anything, but like I think we sort of just have grown accustomed to, yeah, he's pretty excellent, I, I think, mostly. And so it's no longer a surprise that you've got to point out how good he's been, because I, at least I think he's been really, really good for them. Yeah, and I think... Um, Part of the reason why he won that starting middle linebacker job, and we've seen it throughout the season, you can see it probably 10 to 15 times a game before the snap on defense. Terrell Bernard is the one that's calling out motions and you know the, the opponent sends two players in motion or whatever the case may be, and, and he's signaling to the defense what audible they need to make. I think his mind was even further ahead of anything that he could do athletically and then it turns out that he maybe gets engulfed sometimes by bigger blockers, but he's quick, he has good instincts, um, and he's not really undersized for a modern-day linebacker. He's kind of been the glue, him and Taron Johnson, I think, in the middle of that Bills defense, doing a lot of different things in coverage, as a blitzer, he has a bunch of sacks, some interceptions. Um, I Very true that this is someone that was like, hey, third-round pick, I wasn't crazy high on him. I don't think most of Bills fans were – Crazy high on him either, thought maybe he was picked a round or two too early. But Sean McDermott maybe saw the mental side during the scouting process of how quick he processes what's in front of him and how 
integral that is from having Luke Keekley to Tremaine Edmonds to Matt Milano having that piece in the middle of his defense. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we're talking about their depth here, and they may take it out for another spin on Sunday. We'll see what the weekend brings, but the, the injury report is lengthy, and yeah. there are some newer names on it, like Gabe Davis has, has, has not been a frequent name on that report. If he can't play in this game, is Trent Sherfield to you just like a straight plug-and-play replacement? I think he is, and I'll go a step further. This is I was on a, a podcast earlier this week, I'm in the, and maybe it's minority, I am of the belief that the offense is better when Gabe Davis is not on the field. Now, I, I get how that sounds crazy. You look at his stats, the four touchdowns against the Chiefs in the uh, playoffs a few years ago. There were just too many games watching on film, and you guys saw this. You know, no catches, no targets. Yeah, there's a good block on the outside here or there. But Trent Sherfield is over six foot, around 200 pounds. He's not much smaller. He's going to run those deep routes. He has pretty good speed he's not a four six guy he ran in the four fours coming out of Vanderbilt um now previously I would say he doesn't have the same rapport with Josh Allen that Gabe Davis has but I think if if anyone could point out one clear problem this season with Gabe Davis and Josh Allen is they haven't had that connection they've missed they've Mm -hmm. miscommunicated on some pretty big plays so I think when Gabe Davis is not out there and he was running the most routes of any Bills receiver um it really forces the defense to have to truly pay attention to every single option. Khalil Shakir um, as that main secondary guy, Dalton Kincaid, of course, Dawson Knox, the running backs out of the backfield. When Gabe's out there playing 95% of the snaps, he would have, what, he had four or five games with no catches and not even a target. I didn't see him getting open very often either. Um, Certainly you like the experience. He's been in a lot of playoff games. He's been good in the playoffs, but I've just seen – a Bills offense that is uh, more distributing the football to all of the options, which obviously makes it a much more difficult offense to defend against if you're the Steelers. Davis was DNP today for the second straight day. So was Rasul Douglas, by the way, and Taylor Rapp, who got hurt very late in the uh, the Dolphins game. With Chris Trapasso, the podcast you referred to, Dave Damashek, is that which, yes. which one you were referring to? Yep. Um, talking about this matchup, what did you come away thinking with respect to Bill Steelers and also what weather could do to this game? Yeah, I mean, it would probably be that. I mean, Dave was asking me about, like, you know, who is at a bigger advantage if there's bad weather, and I think it's obvious. Like, there were no gigantic takeaways that, that I don't think anyone else has thought of, uh, that if it's horrible weather and it's super windy, I think it, it doesn't – totally tip the scales where it's advantage Steelers, but I think it helps them a little bit more than it would help the Bills. The one thing I would like to see, if it is 25 to 40 mile per hour winds, if there is a fair amount of snow, for the Bills to lean into the natural advantage that they have with Josh Allen's arm. I I remember back to that Patriots win game, and yes, Mac Jones only threw two passes or three passes, whatever it was. But in the first half of that game, I remember like it seemed like the Bills were afraid to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. this is why you drafted Josh Allen for specifically a game like this. And I remember when Brandon Bean drafted him, he specifically referenced a Wyoming game in a snowstorm that Josh Allen had a great game in his junior season. He's like, he's Buffalo. That's exactly why we dra- or a part of why the Bills drafted him. I think the Bills need to lean into it and say, all right, you know, maybe we are into the wind here, but we're not going to just 
run three straight plays up the middle, we're going to let Josh Allen have the ball in his hands. Um, the one thing I think is interesting is that I liked Mason Rudolph coming out, and I was certainly way wrong on my evaluation, but I liked that he was a quick decision maker, got the ball out fast, and then occasionally could hit that deep ball over the top. That's what he's done in these last three games for the Steelers, almost completing 75% of his passes, and he's had those three long touchdowns, two to George Pickens and one to Deontay Johnson, that have really been the one spark that they've needed offensively. I think they would need more than that on Sunday against the Bills, but that was one thing, just watching the film and then kind of looking at it through the lens of this game, that Mason Rudolph is kind of playing like he did at Oklahoma State, a lot of underneath, and then that one deep ball over the top. And he's got a decent arm too, right? Like, is he someone you would expect to be able to cut it through the wind or no? No. His arm, so... Again, someone that really liked Rudolph coming out was wrong about his athleticism and his arm strength. Like, I didn't think that him not having a good arm and him not being a good athlete, which today sounds crazy, but at the time I was like, oh, you don't need that. Look at Peyton Manning and Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady. He does not have a strong arm. Now, in watching him this season over the last three games, I've noticed that I, I think it's a bit stronger, but he has kind of a longer release. I don't think he's someone – that the Steelers are going to say, all right, we're up against it here. We're going to just mm-hmm. let you throw it three times on this drive. I, I do think they like his deep ball accuracy. They trust George Pickens to make those you know, acrobatic catches and the speed of Deontay Johnson, even Calvin Austin, who's very fast, kind of their Isaiah McKenzie-type player. Um, but, no, I, I don't think he's someone that okay. you go into this game and say, hey, he's going to drive the football through the win. And I remember that Patriots win game the same way you do. That As the game went on, it seemed like the Bills came to the realization, like, hey, our guy can throw it in this. Maybe we should do <laughs> yeah, some exactly. of that. I also wonder about him. I mean, we saw Josh Allen, what did he run it, 15 times uh, against Miami? Those weren't all designed runs, but plenty of them were. I would think having a quarterback that's like a six foot five, two hundred and fifty pound plow horse could be a pretty good idea in the snow if it comes to that. Yeah, definitely. And the Steelers, and this does not align with their history at all, but the Steelers linebacker group is kind of a tarnished group at this point. They've had a lot of injuries. They they signed Quan Alexander um, midway through the season. He tore, I think, his ACL or his Achilles on an interception or late in the game, like in November. Um, this is not a group that has that dynamic you know quarterback spy or what we normally have grown accustomed to watching Steelers defenses Minka Fitzpatrick will probably be back and maybe they could use him at times to kind of be that half linebacker half safety and spy Josh Allen but I think if you're the Bills offensive coaching staff and you're trying to game plan for this you're saying all right this is in the playoffs about as weak of a linebacker group as we're going to probably face if you're looking at Kansas City and, and a lot of the other defenses so I totally agree that Josh Allen, even in the design run game or just like we saw in that third and 13, he reaches the top of his drop and then he just takes off and he should be able to pick up yards on the ground. I don't want to say at will, but this is not a game where it's like, uh, I, I don't think Josh Allen's going to be able to run because of what the Steelers have on the second level of their defense. It's funny thinking back to that New England game and how you said, the Bills realized that some they, they sort of a light bulb went on, and like we can throw it, so we should do that. That that maybe went off this year for a while. The, the light bulb they forgot maybe that you know Allen's prowess here and this this five game stretch where they've needed to win. Um, you really it wasn't obvious that they were just going to lean on him so much, but they did in mm-hmm. Miami, and so um, I know that that's been a big curiosity of mine here 
as the season has played out is do they really want to be run heavy? Do they just not trust him? Where are we at? If we get a blizzard or something on Sunday, that might not be a great uh, in- indication of what, what they're thinking here. But um, they're, they're definitely live. 15 carries against the Dolphins. Did you know that he had that, that Carson Wentz had 17 carries on Sunday for the Rams? You guys, did you guys I did know not. That? I didn't. I saw that the touchdown to Puka Nakua, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Carson Wentz is playing this game." Did not know that he ran that much. That's insane. <laughs> Somehow he had 17 rushes uh, for the Rams <laughs> in the, the game against San Francisco. Very good, Chris. Thanks for your time as always, and for sure we'll be talking about the draft whenever you're ready. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Chris Trapasso, CBS Sports. Rams, Lions, Bulldog. What do you think? Oh, I'm all over the Rams. I love, I love the Rams. Big Rams guy. I'm a big. I've, I've had a crush on Stafford since college. Uh, since he was in college, it'd be weird if I was crushing on Matthew Stafford before he was <laughs> born. Uh, so yeah, no, I loved him at Georgia and loved him in Detroit and was happy he won a Super Bowl. And I think this is really, really tasty. And I don't know if, you know, it, it, you know, it matters who you're playing. I feel like the Rams are, are right for this, um, to, to take Detroit down. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm digging that game. That'll be, that'll be fun. You know, we'll, we'll do our post game thing on Sunday and catch the back half of Green Bay and Dallas. And then I can't wait to be settled up to watch Rams and, uh, Rams and Lions Sunday night. What about Saturday night? I don't know yet. I, I I'm honestly, um, I mean, I whatever. If, worst case scenario, I throw myself on a five ninety nine a month subscription for uh, Peacock, and you know, just stay home. Uh, but you know, I'm I Saturday night. My wife is starting to work nights beginning on Saturday, so she won't be around. Uh, not that it, it's a big, you know, her, her being home, uh, would keep me there necessarily. But, um, so I don't know friends. I'm, I, you know, I got a bartender that, that I know pretty well that I can text and see like, Hey, does the, does the cause do, like, do bars have peacock? Like, like, I don't know. Like you, I know of one that does. I okay. know of one that does and I'm heading there. I think. <laughs> okay. Well, let me, well, clue me yes. in. Maybe I'll join you if it's not, uh, you know, is it on the island or is it, it you know, <laughs> in the city? I'll text you. Okay. All right. Thanks. Uh, but I'm an open book. Matthew Stafford. I, I can vouch. Bulldog has always liked Matthew Stafford. I always liked him less than, than Bulldog did. 2011. Here are your NFL awards winners. Aaron Rodgers won the MVP. That happened other times more recently. Uh, Drew Brees, who was second for the MVP, won Offensive Player of the Year. Cam Newton won Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2011. Von Miller won 2011 Defensive Rookie of the Year. And the Comeback Player of the Year was Matthew Stafford. I don't know what he was coming back from in 2011. He'd been in the league for three years, but he won that award. Jim Harbaugh, Coach of the Year, by the way, in 2011. Mm. So, yeah, that's you're right to clarify. When you were crushing on him in college, it was he that was in college. <laughs> right, right. Georgia? Yes, Georgia. Yeah. 
did um yeah that's right in the prime of my you know watching the uh the SEC on CBS and he you know he was the first pick in the draft so he he was someone that was on a lot uh when he was there so um yeah I always kind of dug him um so yeah that's where that's kind of where that started um Wow, comeback. He had – there's a famous sequence in a game pretty early in his Detroit career where he suffers a pretty gruesome shoulder injury and stays in and, like, either finishes the drive with a touchdown or maybe they go for two. And he does, But he, he plays with, like, a separated shoulder or something, and maybe that knocked him out for the rest of the year, and then he came back from that. I don't know what he was coming back from. That was his rookie year. Oh, Could be. Okay, that was his rookie year. He he beat Brady Quinn and the Cleveland Browns. Okay, in the greatest game no one watched. He did suffer another shoulder injury though in the 2010 season, uh, late in the 2010 season though. Okay, well, that's what the comeback. Well, was he only then. played he he only played three games in 2010. Um, and that's I'm looking at this now. The, remember the Bills played Detroit in that season. Maybe the Bills were winless middle of the season uh, and beat Detroit. Sean Hill, Bulldog. Does that oh, sound like sure. Sean Hill was the quarterback? Yes, yes. I remember. I, remember Sean I was Hill with game. you. I think. I think I was with you in the studio for post game, and left sick. Yes, and I, I was uh, reprimanded. I was reprimanded because I did not inform everybody that we worked for that I, I was leaving. Oh, wow. I never, I, you've never told me that. I do remember that you mentioned yeah. Sean Hill and I think I, I feel like I worked alone that post game, but it was, you were you here did. and left. Yeah. That, 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 that adds up. I never knew this part about you getting in trouble for that though. Oh yeah. The, mm. the bills beat Detroit that day to improve to one and eight Yeah, in, in uh, 2010. I was probably upset because draft status and whatever. Uh, but enough about us. Let's take a break. 803-0550. Who are you rooting for, Miami, at Kansas City Saturday night? The Peacock game. And more on Bill Steelers. Your uh, your fears, where you have the most confidence. Anything on this game, we're here for it. Sal Capaccio at 5. And the Sabres tonight home for Ottawa pregame at 6. Mike Schoep and the Bulldog, WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 